0: Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Uh, What you're about to hear is directly from a service here at New Beginnings Church in Huntington, Texas. We hope that this message builds faith inside of you and that God's word grows deep inside of your heart and begins to produce wonderful results in your life. We ask for your help in two ways. We know that this is the year of harvest, and this is the year of accelerated harvest. And so God has clearly spoken to us that there is a field that is ready, that is ripened, souls ready to come to salvation uh, and come into relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want your help in two ways. The first way is we ask that you help us spread this message, this message of faith, to instill faith inside of people, and the way that you can do that is by sharing this broadcast on Facebook, through Messenger, with somebody that you feel like would benefit from it. I'm gonna tell you that the word of God never returns void, that faith comes by hearing the word. So if you can partner with us by sharing the word that God has given us here at New Beginnings Church, that would help us tremendously and help us fulfill the mission that God has given us for 2020. The second way is I'd like for you to pray about partnering with us financially. If you would like to do that, a very easy way is you can go to our website at www.nbchuntington.org. NBC, like New Beginnings Church, Huntington.org. If you do that, you can click donate or give now, uh, and it'll take you to a screen that says sow a seed. And I know that the Lord will bless you tremendously according to 2 Corinthians 9. God will bless you, provide seed for the sower, and then greatly enrich your resources so that you can always be generous. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for the message coming up next. Pray like we just prayed and partake of the covenant that the Lord has made with us by the body and the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen, y'all. Well, I'm so thankful. Again, if you're tuning in, if people are still jumping on, thank you for tuning in. I believe this message is going to help you uh, tremendously. Y'all, I wanted to share a word with you. This is something God's put on my heart. And and again, I'm not condemning any church. I'm not condemning anything right now. But y'all know we cannot get up here and preach a message about how to be a better friend right (laughs) in the time that we live in. People don't need anything about how to be a better friend, how to be a a better neighbor. People need faith to deal with the very big issues that we're facing right now as a country. I want to give you something this morning that will build your faith and help you that you can apply today with the situation that's going on. If you have a bulletin, I want you to turn it over if you're taking notes. If you don't have a bulletin, you can entitle this a covenant of separation. Can y'all say separation? separation? Amen. A covenant of separation. I want you to know that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are in covenant with God. A covenant means a legally binding agreement. What this means is when you make a covenant, like when you get married, you make a covenant and the covenant you make to each other is you, you, you make promises and then you conclude it with until death do me part. You're saying I'm bound to this. When it's better, when it's worse, when it's good, when it's bad, through richer, through poor. A, it's a legally binding agreement is what a covenant is. It's legally binding. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and release the children's church. Awesome. A legally binding agreement. People don't understand you're not just in a relationship with God. You have a covenant. What that means is that there's things that consist in the covenant. There's things that the fine print in the contract that, for one, you're legally bound to. But here's the most amazing thing. God is legally bound to do these things. When you got saved, there was a a covenant that was made. And the covenant has certain stipulations and certain promises. When you understand your covenant... You don't have to stand around and pray and beg and wonder if this is going to happen, if it's going to work out for you. I don't know if God will do this for me. God is legally bound to do the things that pertain to the covenant that we have with Him. I'm going to tell you, the time we live in right now, it's very important for you as an American to know your rights. Amen? If you don't know that, I'm going to tell you again, it is extremely important for you to know what your rights are in this time that we live in. It is extremely important for you to know the, what the Bill of Rights say, what the Constitution says, that you have rights as a citizen. If you don't know those rights, you'll, you'll, you'll put up with a lot of stuff that you don't have to put up with. If you don't know those rights, any old Joe can say any old thing to you, and you're just going to go along with what they say because you don't know your rights. You don't know the fine print. You don't know what, being a citizen of this country, the freedoms that you are entitled to. Can I tell you this as well? It's extremely important for you to know your rights and your covenant with God. Something that I've seen uh, with what's going on right now is that uh, it's very obvious to me. A lot of Christians do not know their rights in their covenant with God. A lot of Christians don't know the fine print, the promises that are in our covenant with God. How do I know that? Because people are freaking out and living like the rest of the world. Christians are are feared, running, scared on Facebook. Doubt, unbelief. We're looking just like the rest of the world. We're living like just the world, like the rest of the world. We're talking like the rest of the world. And what it is indicating to me is that believers don't know their covenant. Amen? Amen. It's important that you know what I'm talking about today. A covenant of separation. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down for point number one. I want you to declare this. I am separated from the rest of the world. Can you say that? Say, I am separated from the rest of the world. Say it again. I am separated from the rest of the world. I want you to get this in your head. I want you to get this in your heart. I want you to get this in your spirit. I am separated from the rest of the world. Can you say not me? That needs to be a statement that you learn to say and you learn to say often with what we're going through right now as a country. When you understand this covenant, you won't live in fear like everybody else. You'll understand and something will rise up inside of you where you say not me, I am separated from the rest of the world. This is something God has set in place and established in His Word. Again, I look, I look at the rest of the world and Christians fear the same things that everybody else fears. Christians are more scared to die than anybody else in the world, it seems like. Not exactly. It, that's the answer. Not me. That's where we need to get to. Not I am separated. I am not supposed to think like them. I'm not supposed to be afraid of the same things that they're afraid of. Why? I am separated. I want to show you this. So point number one, I am separated from the rest of the world. Hebrews 10.10 in the Amplified. It says, in accordance with this will, with the will of God, we who believe in the message of salvation have been sanctified. That is set apart. Can you say Set apart. As holy for God and his purpose. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, once and for all. Set apart. The Bible says you have been set apart. Why are you set apart? Because you have a covenant with God. Something, this, this needs to get inside somebody. I want to see Christians actually living like they believe they're in covenant with Almighty God. That something inside of you says, I believe that I have been set apart. What does that mean? That means that nobody's denying anything, that things aren't happening right now. Like being a Christian does not mean living stupid and acting like nothing's happening in the world. It's not saying, oh, there's nothing bad happening. Nobody's going to say that. If you look around, there's a lot of bad things happening. It's not saying, and we'll get to this, that, it's, that the things that are happening aren't really bad. They're not really aggressive. They couldn't cause devastating effects. Nobody's denying any of that. But what we are claiming is what the Bible says is God has set us apart from those things. You are set apart, you are separated. Can you say, not me"? not me? Things going on in this world. If I said the word coronavirus, I want something instinctively to rise up in your spirit where you say, not me. If I say economical crash, I want something to rise up in your spirit where you say, not me. <laughs> Not, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? Maybe uh, there's a possibility, there's a chance. How are we going to? All these other things that come to us instinctively, you understand. These things are happening, but the God has given me a promise where he says he has set me apart. I'm going to show you another scripture. Colossians 1.13. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, the kingdom of darkness, what is that talking about? I'll give you a brief e- explanation of this. When God created man, he gave this world to man. The Bible actually says the heavens belong to God, but the earth belongs to the Son of Man. The earth belongs to, to man that God created. The earth and he put Adam on the earth and he said I want you to be fruitful I want you to subdue the earth I want you to multiply that God gave the earth to man for us to rule over the earth right but when Adam chose to follow Satan and submit to Satan he took that ownership and gave it to Satan and so now this plane that we live on became this kingdom of darkness Things that was never God's will began to take place. Sickness was never God's will. Do you understand before sin, before Satan, nobody got sick in the garden. Adam and Eve weren't sick in the garden of Eden. Adam and Eve weren't battling with the flu every year in the garden of Eden. None of this took place until Satan and sin entered into the world and created this this plane, this kingdom of darkness. Amen? All these things that pertain to the kingdom of darkness, I want you to see this, This is what the Bible says. He has transferred you from that kingdom now and transferred you into the kingdom of His dear Son. That means you're set apart. These things may be happening in this world. These things may be happening uh, on this plane where these things are taking place, but God has transferred you out of that kingdom and set you in a greater reality. Another scripture, Ephesians 2. 4 through 6. But God so rich in his mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated. Can y'all say seated? seated. Us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So the Bible says when you get saved, that... It's, it's not just securing you a place in heaven. It says that you died to this world. That God looks at, at the death that Jesus died and He puts that on you. And you died to this world. You died to the system of this world. You died to the things of this world. You died to, the, to the being ruled by Satan and just living subject to everything that He wants to put on you. You were dead and whenever Jesus rose... By your faith, you rose again. And it says, have been seated with Christ. God has set you apart, the Bible says. God has transferred you from this kingdom of darkness into this kingdom of light. God has, you have died to the system of this world and been raised to Christ and seated with Christ Jesus. Can you say, I am separated from the rest of the world? Let me show you. God... Always this this promise worked every time. This isn't just some spiritual thing, right? Well, I know that I'm still going to have to deal with all these things, but you know what? God's just going to be right here and he's just going to help me through all of them. That's not the promise. That was not the promise for God's children in the old covenant. That wasn't the promise for David. That wasn't the promise for Jesus. That wasn't the promise for Paul. That wasn't the promise for Peter. That was never a promise for anybody that was in covenant with God. Let me show you how this separation works, even in regards to sickness and disease. Exodus fifteen twenty six. The Lord said this to His people, Israel, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands and keeping all His decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the disease I sent on the Egyptians. I am the Lord who heals you. What was he talking about? The commands. That was their covenant with God. So I want to give you a a little bit of understanding here. The Bible says that everything that took place in the Old Testament was just a shadow, a reflection of the reality that we have in the New Testament. If you even look at what what the Scripture is talking about, Exodus... You had Exodus, it represented the world, right? The Israelites were a slave in Egypt. Egypt, I'm sorry, Exodus. Egypt represented the world. The Israelites, God's people, were slave to the world, just like Romans chapter 8 says. But then God brought in a deliverer and rescued his people from Egypt, from slavery, Slavery brought them out and made a covenant with them. That's all representation of Jesus Christ, Amen. So with this promise, it still pertains to us. God was saying, if you engage in this this covenant, our covenant's not based on the law. Our covenant is based off the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for us. By faith, we have this covenant with God. But I want you to hear what God was saying. If you walk in covenant with me, he says, I'll read it again. He says, I will not make you suffer the diseases I sent on the Egyptian. I am the Lord who heals you. God's saying, if you walk in this covenant with me, all the diseases that are affecting everybody else in the world, in the system of the world, I will not allow them to affect you because I am the Lord who heals you. When you're in covenant with God, you have to believe you're separated from the rest of the world. Guys, this was a real promise. You know that it says again, we read in Psalms, God removed all feebleness. There was 2.5 to 3 million people. Not one of them were sick. Not one of them were weak. Not one of them had disease. That in the wilderness several times they were bitten by snakes. Things happened and God, every single time, healed every single one of them that partook of the covenant. Let me show you another scripture. Deuteronomy 7, 15. And it says, and the Lord will protect, will you say protect you from all sickness? Can you say all sickness? How much is all sickness? This is what God said, if you're in covenant with me, I will protect you from all sickness. He will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all your enemies. I claim right now in the name of Jesus, that song that we sung, Satan has tried to infiltrate the world with this coronavirus. I claim in Jesus' name that God will flip it around on his head and everything that he meant to destroy the church, to destroy the believer, will be flipped around and work for God's good and bring more souls to Christ and grow us and prosper us and we will thrive. We will not live subject to this disease that Satan has brought to the world. God will protect you from all sickness. So there's one, here's one promise there. God is not only the God that will heal you when you get sick. You can actually walk in faith for God to keep you from sickness. You can literally believe you have covenant promises. Right? I talked about the covenant. You need to know your rights. If there was a contract that God made, this is a part of the contract. A part of the contract. You need to know your rights where God says, look, yes, I will heal you if you do get sick. But there's even a greater reality. You can walk in faith and exercise your faith and keep, I will keep sickness away from you in your house. You believe that? This is amazing, though. Look at the second part. He says he will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases that you knew in Egypt. I want you all to know how the gospel if you were here last week, if you weren't, and if you're online, I encourage you to turn back to last week's message. We show that the twofold work of Christ was forgiveness of sin and healing from sickness and disease. That one time they brought a paralyzed man to Jesus, and he was paralyzed, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees rebuked him, and Jesus said, what well, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or take up your mat? He healed him the twofold covenant, the Lord forgives our transgressions, heals our diseases. It is God's will. The second you get saved, it is God's will, not only for your soul to be healed, but for your body to be healed. Healing is not something like you have to get saved and then you have to walk for five years and then you can grow and then God will heal you. God is, put it all in one covenant one package you belong to this world you lived according to the system of this world you were subject to the sickness of this world your spirit was subject to sin to all the things of this world and when you came into covenant with God he says I will take every part every grip every hook that it has and redeem you completely Jesus redeems your spirit and he also redeems your body so this is so amazing you could have struggled with, with uh, just say congestive heart failure for five years. You need to understand your covenant. You're, I used to live in the world and I was sick, but the second you get saved, this needs to rise up in front of inside of you and say, not me any longer. I used to have to deal with these things because I belong to the world, but now I am separated from the world. And the Lord said He would not let me suffer from the terrible diseases that I once knew when I belonged to this world. This will help you guys so much if you get a hold of this. Amen. I want to read you Psalms 91. We've been going over this a lot. But this will help you. Because I've heard a lot of people say, well, that was just for the Israelites. That was just for the people Israel when they were in the wilderness. Well, then how come David wrote this hundreds of years later? How come David would write this? I'm going to tell you, David knew the same God that the Israelites knew. In a minute, we're going to look at the life of Jesus. Why would Jesus say the things that he said? Why did Jesus do the things that he did? Because he knew the same God that the Israelites knew. He knew the same God that David knew. Jesus was God, but I'm talking as a man. Why did Paul, why did James, why did all of these men have the same foundation, the same understanding? Because they knew the same God. Psalms 91 it says this Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord He alone is my refuge. He is my safety place. He is my God, and I trust Him. Verse 3, He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. David said the same thing. The same thing that God told the Israelites. God will rescue you from every trap, and He will protect you from deadly disease. Amen? He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. But this all only works if you trust in the Lord. If you enter into covenant and say, God, I believe that I am now separated. I'm going to live like I'm separated. I'm going to talk like I'm separated. I'm going to think like I'm separated. David said, if you go to the Lord as your refuge, He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Verse 5 Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly by the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Why will the evils not touch you? Because you are separated from the rest of the world. People say, John, what about what's happening in Lufkin? Look what's happening in Nacogdoches. Look what's happening all around us. God literally gave us specific instructions. He said, if you're in a group of 10,000 people shoulder to shoulder and all 10,000 of them die, do not be afraid because these evils will not touch you. There is a difference between you and the rest of the world. You have to believe that. Christians got to believe that in this time that we live in. Where you say, not me. When you start looking at the news and CNN posts another article, stop jumping on the fear train and rise up in faith and say, not me. When Fox posts another thing, when Facebook and Sally Sue on the on the classified page has some leaked information that nobody knows about, you have got to start believing not me. I am in covenant with God. Well, John, this is happening to everybody else. I can't speak for everybody else, but I can speak for me. And my God said, I don't have to dread the disease that stalks during the night, that 10,000 may die around me, but do not fear because these evils will not touch you. You have a covenant of, with God. You are separated from these things. This is amazing. Verse 8, open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter. Can you guys say if? If puts a responsibility on you. The Lord says, I'll be your refuge. I'll keep sickness and disease from you. I'll honor every single dot and every single word that is in this book. If you allow me to if you will walk in this covenant, if you will look at the fine print of what this contract says and and walk according to it and walk in faith to the promises I have given you, He says, I will be your refuge. The Most High will be your shelter. No evil, can you say no evil, will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Hallelujah. I wish that, that some of y'all would start getting up. Tanner gave a challenge to the youth this week to start reading Psalms 91 over their life uh, every day. You could read, look at verse 3. Let's start in verse 3. For he will rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly disease. He will cover me with his feathers. He will shelter me with his wings. His faithful promises are my armor and my protection. I do not have to be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly by the day. I do not have to dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand are dying around me. These evils will not touch me. Verse 11. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. He will hold you up. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt hurt your foot on a stone. How peacefully would you sleep at night if you could see into the spirit? Imagine opening your front door. And you see the angels of the Lord standing outside your house. I'm not talking about the little heart-playing angels. I'm talking about the warrior angels of the Lord standing outside of your house, shoulder to shoulder, all the way around, making a circle, shoulder to shoulder, and they look back and they say, go to sleep tonight and do not fear. Not one thing will pass this threshold and come into your home. If we could see that with our eyes, would we, would we live in the fear that the church is living in right now? Would we think... This is the promise that God gives us. This is the promise that God gives us, and we have to believe that. Would we live in the fear? If, if, if we, could, we had to go to the grocery store, and there's the coronavirus, and they're saying, stay six feet apart. If you could look around, and there was five angels standing shoulder to shoulder surrounding you saying, you do not have to fear. Anything that the devil has planned for you will not cross this threshold. Do not fear. You'd be driving in your car. You would be so happy. You'd have a smile on your face. You'd be laughing. You wouldn't be crying. You would be just having the time of your life. And I'm not saying not feeling sorry that these things are happening to people. But so much of your life is taken away due to fear. And God has given you every promise that you need to never struggle with that for one more second in your life. Can you say not me? If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. I love that word near. I claim that. I say, Lord... That, that plague ain't just going to get to my front door and stop. That plague ain't coming within five miles from my house. That plague ain't coming within ten miles from that my house. No plague will come anywhere near me or my family because I am set apart. I am different than the rest of the world because I have a covenant with the Almighty God. This has got to become more real to you than what CNN says. This has got to become more real to you than what Time Magazine says, than what Fox News says, than what Donald Trump says. I love President Trump. This needs to become more real to you than what any man says. Though 10,000 are dying around you. Y'all, I know it it, it seems easy when everything's so far away, but when things start getting close, We start getting more tight. We start getting more fearful. The Bible says it doesn't matter if it's happening to every other person. You're not every other person. This is the confidence that you need to have. I'm not every other person. Is it because I'm special and I'm amazing? and God? No, it's because you have a covenant that God has sworn Himself to by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Are y'all still with me this morning? The angels, they'll hold you up with their hands. You won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I love this part. I want you to see this. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce. Can you say fierce? Lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. And I will protect those who trust in my name. I love how, you know, not one word in the Bible was put in there by accident. Not one line, not one comma, or not one da, Not one dash. God uses the word fierce. Y'all, again, I'm going to make this point. Being a Christian and walking in covenant with God is not denying that what is happening is bad. Is the coronavirus big and scary? Yes. Is it killing a lot of people? Yes. Is it doing a lot of damage? Yes. Does the Bible say the lion would be fierce? The, lion, the Bible says the lion may be fierce. It may have big teeth. It may have a strong bite. It may seem very powerful. But God says you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. We're not denying the severity of the issue. We are claiming and believing that, no, this is really happening, but we are separated from it. We have a covenant with God. Amen. He says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me and I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life. Can you say a long life and give them salvation? I hear Christians say this all the time. Well, you know, John, you could die at any second. You know what I say? Not me. John, you, you know, nobody's promised tomorrow, not me. You know why? Because God has given me a promise in his covenant of long life. How many of y'all know 30 years old is not a long life? 40 years old is not a long life. 50 years old is not a long life. When I think a long life in John's terms, that's 80, that's 90, 100 years old. That is a long life. And God said, I will reward you. If you trust in me, if you're in covenant with me, I will grant you a long life. We got to stop buying into these. Well, then why does why does why do Christians die left and right? Why do people live subject to these things? I'm going to cover that in just a minute and this will help you a lot. You're not the average Joe. You got to start believing that. You guys got to start training yourselves. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to believe what you fill your head with. If you spend five hours a day reading the secular articles about what they think about what's going on, and you don't get this in your heart and your mind and your soul and every part, put this before you, you're going to live in fear. You've got to get this in front of you again where this becomes more real to you than anything else. I heard Smith Wigglesworth say, a man that healed thousands and thousands of people. And he taught a lot of people. He didn't just teach, I I can heal you, I'll lay my hands on you and heal you. He taught people how to walk in covenant with God. And one of his keys was he told them, he said, when God's promises for healing becomes more real than the sickness you're experiencing, you'll be healed. When what God has said in His Word becomes more real than the pain you're feeling, than the symptoms you're experiencing, than the fear that's trying to set in, when His Word becomes more real in your heart, you will experience the healing that He has promised you. Y'all, I love this. I, I just shared an article today. I learned about this, but this isn't like new stuff. You know, for the modern church, it's so crazy how the devil has tried to take this out. But men of God have been walking by these truths for thousands of years since the church formed. You know, I was reading an article about John G. Lake. He was in Africa preaching the gospel, ministering on the continent of Africa, and this plague broke out. This was in the early 1900s, y'all. They didn't have ventilators, <laughs> they, didn't have, they didn't have Facebook where they could, you know, or, or internet where they could. Uh, converse with the Chinese and converse with Israel and converse with other world powers to work for a cure. When a plague hit back then, a plague hit, you know what I'm saying? You were dead. People were, the numbers would blow the coronavirus as far as population to percentage out of the water. And so this plague had hit and it was killing Africans by the hundreds and by the thousands. You know, did he stop his ministry? He said, oh, no, we got to use wisdom. I don't know. No, he was literally in the tents where they had bodies pulling up, laying hands on the sick, healing people, teaching people about the covenant. People were coming to him saying, we don't have a solution. There is no medication. And he would begin to teach them about what the Word of God says in their covenant that they have the second they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And people were getting healed left and right because God was separating them from the rest of the world. But it was amazing. They took... The, the the disease, the plague, they put it underneath a microscope, right? And they looked at it and it was alive, it was booming. And he said, Okay, I want you to take it and I want you to put that little thing in my hand now. So they dropped it in his hand. And then they took it from his hand, they put it back under the microscope, and every single cell was completely dead when it touched his hand. Isn't that amazing? you carry the power of god when you walk in faith you don't have to live subject million of people are dying you're not a million people you have a covenant with almighty god i want you to get this inside your spirit all right point number two if you're taking notes y'all still with me this morning man y'all are being quiet jesus modeled how a son of god is separated from the system of the world Jesus modeled how a son of God is separated from the system of this world. I want you to hear me. Jesus did not live as God on this earth. Jesus lived as a man on this earth. The Bible says that he actually forfeited all of his rights in heaven. And he took the position of a slave. Uh, Being the God of the universe, he forfeited all of his rights. All of the things that he could have done as being God. And he became a man. And lived on this earth. When we read about Jesus. And we read about the crazy things that he did. It was not because he was God. It was because he modeled us what we can do. He said that. You will do the things that I have done. And even greater things. You will lay your hands on the sick. And they will recover. Behold I give you all authority. Over the devil. Jesus modeled. What a son of God. What a daughter of God should live like, and how we're separated from the world. I want to show you two verses, and I'm going to explain them. John 10, 18. Jesus made this statement. He said, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want, and also take it up again, for this is what my Father has commanded. I want to show you now John 14:30. He says, I don't have much more time to talk to you, because the ruler of this world approaches He has no power over me. So Jesus was talking about the spirit of Satan was approaching him. And Jesus made the statement and says, Satan has no power over me. He said in that first scripture, no one can take my life. I sacrifice it voluntarily. If you read through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, y'all know this. They tried to kill Jesus many times before he was crucified. Did you know that? that the Bible actually says many times they backed him into a corner and there was a thousand people standing around him with stones, getting ready to stone him to death because of the things that he was saying. And the Bible literally says he would just walk through the crowd as if nobody was even standing there. The Bible says many times they would try to run Jesus up to a cliff and they were going to throw him over the cliff, but then he would just walk through the crowd as if nobody was standing there. How is it possible that he did that? Because Jesus lived the reality of Psalms 91, that 10,000 may be around you. Your enemy may attack you from one direction, but he's going to scatter from you in seven. No evil will conquer you. I will rescue you from every single trap. I'm going to tell you, Satan could not take Jesus off of this earth. Jesus said the only reason I'm going to the cross and dying is because I voluntarily do it. I decided. I'm going to tell you, the New Testament apostles, they lived the same way. You know how many times they tried to kill Paul? And it says they drug him outside the city and stoned him. And then the believer surrounded him and he got back up and went back into the city and started preaching again. Satan tried to kill Paul. This wasn't just Jesus. Many, many times. But eventually Paul did die. Why? Because he gave his life as a martyr for the gospel. There's a difference between you giving your life for the gospel and Satan claiming your life due to sickness or disease. People say everybody dies. If you're a Christian, that's right, you can die. There will come a point where you live a long life and you can decide now it's time for me to place my spirit in the hands of the Lord and I'm gonna depart from this world and I'm gonna open my eyes in the new heaven. I'm gonna open my eyes in eternal paradise with God. That is the reality, not I'm gonna live and some people die of cancer, you may get sick, you don't know when you're gonna go. Satan has no hooks in you. Sickness, I'm telling you, if Jesus was around, Jesus would not be living subject to the coronavirus. The coronavirus could not kill Jesus. Sickness and disease could not kill Jesus. Satan could not kill Jesus. There was no human being, no power on this earth that could take Jesus off of this planet. I know exactly what you're going to say. Well, that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. I've heard so many people say, well, that's Jesus. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as Jesus is, as he is, so are we in this world. That means if Jesus said no man can take your life, that means no person can take your life. If Jesus says Satan has no power over him, that means Satan has no power over you. As Christ is, so are you in this world. Can you say not me? Can you say I am separated? This lines up with Luke 10, 19. This is New Testament now. Jesus said this, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Where was Jesus pulling that from? Where did we just read where it talked about scorpions and serpents? We just read in Psalms 91 where it says Psalms 91:13. All those promises that we just read David said you will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Jesus says I have given you authority to tread on scorpions and serpents and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This promise is just as true for you as it was true for David, as it was true for the Israelites, as it was true for Jesus. Amen. Point number three, if you're taking notes, this is my final point. The covenant promises only work when you walk in faith. Because I'm going to answer the question. People say, well, if this is all true, then how do we explain what happens to people? The covenant promises only work when you walk in faith. We were reading a, a book here a well while back, and this minister was telling about this a story about this homeless man. This homeless man lived in Chicago or some big city like that. And they saw him every day. He, was, he would be digging through the trash, trying to find something to eat, trying to find garbage and eating. And he always had this little satchel that he carried, this little backpack. He always had it on him. You know, he would never be anywhere without it. He always kind of guarded it and protected it. But they saw this man every single day eating in the trash. And so one day some of the guys of the neighborhood noticed that they didn't see, we'll call him Billy Bob. They didn't see Billy Bob anymore. They said, man, it's been about a week. Where's Billy Bob been? We haven't seen him eating out of any trash cans. He hasn't been around. Another week goes by, still no Billy Bob. About a month later, they're walking by an abandoned apartment complex, and somebody was in there getting ready to renovate it, and they walk in one of the rooms, and they find Billy Bob dead. So they take his body in, and they examine his body, and they, they determine through forensics that he died of starvation. Well, on Billy Bob was the satchel, and they opened up the satchel, and there was $30,000 cash in the satchel. And this was back in the 1940s. So this is so crazy. Billy Bob died of starvation, yet he had $30,000 on his person. How is that possible? Billy Bob could have had all of the money in the world, but if he didn't use the money, the money would have been to no benefit to him. You can't eat money. You have to use the money to buy food to keep your body nourished. Right? This is going to help explain. The covenant promises only work if you walk in faith. If you use them. See, people don't walk in faith, and so people live subject to things they don't have to live subject to, but then we start blaming God like His word's not true, like the promises don't apply to us, but they do. We have a responsibility. The only way that they apply is if we walk by faith. I'm going to give you two answers to this. The question, why do Christians get sick? Why does somebody have such a hard time in life? If all this is true, then how come Christians so... They struggle their whole life. They, they're sick their whole life. Things are just constantly happening. I'm going to show you. We, we went over at the beginning of this. And kind of last week, it was 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. 29. Again, this is in regards to communion. Uh, Paul says this, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30. For this reason... For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Why do so many Christians die sick? Why do so many Christians struggle in life living subject to all the things of this world? Paul says, for this reason, they have failed to discern the Lord's body. I'm going to say it one more time. If you did not watch last week's sermon, I encourage you, get on. We have it on podcast for you. It's all on our Facebook page. There's a video there's a podcast. We fully go in depth and explain that. But he said, for this reason, so many are sick. I'm going to give you the synopsis of the whole thing, the kind of overview. The body, as we just partook, the body of Christ was paid for your healing. So what Paul was saying is so many Christians, they understand salvation. They understand the blood. They understand the cross. They know how to get saved. But they completely overlook what Jesus did with His body. And because they overlook it, they don't understand it. And because they don't understand it, they don't walk in faith of it. And for that reason, many of them are sick, many of them are weak, and many of them have died. So if they understood the covenant of healing that we have through the Lord's body, they wouldn't be sick, they would be well. They wouldn't have been weak, they would be strong. They wouldn't have died, they would have lived. Why do so many Christians get sick and live subject to this? Because they don't understand the covenant that God's made with the body of Jesus Christ. The second reason is this. I'm going to show you Psalms 91 verse 4. And it it lines up with what I was already saying. Psalms 91 verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection You know the verse before that talks about the disease and so what the word of God is saying is that God's promises are our shield from those diseases You don't have to fear the disease that stalks in the night why God says because this word these promises are your armor that will protect you from those things You still with me yeah. Now let me show you this I'm going to tie these things together Ephesians 6:16 6, It's the armor of God. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Here's a question for you. One passage says his promises are the things that shield us. Another passage says his faith is what shields us. So what is true? How does that work? God's armor is. God's protection, God's word are the, is the thing that shields us from the attacks of the enemy. But faith is how we use the armor that he has been given us. You can get saved and have this giant shield, all these promises, all of these things that God has given you. Uh, to, to protect you from all of these things that Satan brings against you. But if you stand there and you don't use your faith, you will not be able to pick the shield up and use the shield. And so even though God has given you all of those things, you will stand right there and get hit and hit and hit and hit until you learn how to use the armor and the protection by your faith. I'm going to give you a challenge because here's the question now. What is faith? If faith is how you use the armor and protection, what is faith? Let me show you James 2, 14. I'm going to give you something very practical. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can you say actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? The Bible literally says the kind of faith that you say you have, but isn't backed up by your actions, will not save you, will not protect you, will not activate one single promise of God in your life. Look at James 2.17. You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. What am I trying to say? Stop living in fear and start letting your actions reflect the fact that you believe in the promises that God has given for you. You can say all day long, I believe God heals me. Start living like you believe He is the God that heals you. You can say all day long, I believe God protects me. Start living with your words, with the things that you do, with what you fear, with what you don't fear, with the decisions that you make that you believe you are in covenant with the God that protects you and will rescue you from every single trap. Hannah, can I have you come up to the piano? Hallelujah. Can you say, not me? me. You're separated from this world. Y'all, this is a fundamental thing. Every believer needs to know this. I want to start seeing Christians live in every single area of their life, not just in every area. Your finances, you're separated from this world. Is the economy looking really bad right now? I'm telling you, this is the same message we're preaching to every relative I have that lives in West Texas that's in the oil field right now. Everybody's getting laid off. Do things look bad? Yes, but you are not subject to this world. Do you understand the promise that God has for you? If one door, if one door closes, another door will open. There was a famine, and Elijah was sitting in the desert having no way. To have food. What did God do? He flew food in on ravens and brought it to him. Why? He was separated. When everybody else may have not had a way, He said, I have a way because I am set. This doesn't pertain to me. I'm going to live above this. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how horrible it looks. I don't care what the situation is. It may be bad, but God has separated me and I'm in covenant with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Are y'all still with me this morning? I'm going to pray for everybody's faith. I just, I just hope that you guys get this. This is so important, the time we live in. The church needs to start living separate from the world, y'all. The church tries so hard to look like the world, to be accepted by the world. We need to start living like we're a people that have been set apart. We need to start thinking like we're a people that have been set apart. We need to start acting like we're a people that have been set apart. And we have. I'm telling y'all. Everybody else in the world is is freaking out and and we're standing out here handing out pizzas, loving on people. That's what the church should be. We don't live in fear to this thing. Amen? I'm going to do one last thing here. I'm going to pray for two things like we do every Sunday the last portion of our, of our service here. We do this because God has instinctively told us. Y'all, I'm going to tell you, and we're going to be getting into this in the next few weeks, but we are in the last days. I don't know if you know that. I want to go through Scripture and really teach and show you we are living in the last times. I, I pondered this question with, with Tanner this week. I said, what if we only had three years left? Before Jesus came back. What if there was only three years left? What if there was only five years left? Would that change what we're doing? Would that change the way that we think about some things? Would that change some of the things that we're so worried about. That we're so focused on securing. What if we only had three years left on this earth. To accomplish the purpose that God has set before us. And to secure our reward in heaven for eternity. How much time would we start focusing on some things and and stop focusing on other things? I want to challenge you, though. This is why it's so important. We just talked about faith. There's two things. Satan has tried to come against. We're, we're, We're entering into our time of tithes and offerings. Satan has tried to come against this in the church because of the promises God gives us when we participate with it. Can I tell you? Satan does not want the church... Wealthy. Satan does not want the church to have influence. Satan would rather us be scraping by and not be able to have $1,000 to go buy pizza and feed families and tell people about Jesus. Satan does not want that power in the hands of the church. Satan would rather have that power in the hands of democratic people like Nancy Pelosi or Hollywood celebrities or people that are pushing the agenda of Satan on this earth. He wants them to have money and have influence. But God's promise when you walk in the blessing and walk according His instructions, God promises to raise us up as believers of people that have wealth and influence in this world. What if if the church grew to such a level of influence in our country that we were the ones making the laws, We were the ones that swayed which way the the baton went as far as voting. We were the ones that were getting to select the presidents because we were the majority. Can you imagine? Y'all, so this is why God has told us, I want you to teach on this for one, because people are afraid to. Satan has put a stigma and a fear and people don't know what this is all about. And two, there's people that have been given their whole life, but they don't know why. Well, Grammy tithe, daddy tithe. I've been in church my whole life, so I tithe. They don't understand why. It's It's just as important as it is for you to do it, it's important that you engage your faith in what you're doing because that's what produces results. Amen. I'm going to give you a quick scripture and I want to pray this as we take up our tithes and our offerings. I want to have our ushers come forward. Y'all, I'm trying to find stuff that is so relevant to the time we're living in because I'm telling you, people in the Bible, God's work does not only work when times are favorable. God's promises aren't only true when the economy's doing really well and the stocks are doing really well and everybody's employed and everybody's doing well. God has actually done most of his financial multiplying miracles when things were not doing well in the Bible. That's how you're separated. When there is no way, I'm going to show you this in scripture when there is no way, God will make a way. Let me read you this passage. It says This was Jesus when he had finished speaking This is Luke 5, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, Now go out where it is deeper. He's in a boat. Let down your nets and catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let my nets down again. Verse 6. You know what? Let me break that down first. Y'all, Simon was a fisherman. He wasn't no New Mexico boy like like John. I don't know anything about fishing. I moved to East Texas, and people are like, I, "I got some fishing ponds out on my property." They're like, "Man, I bet you fish all the time." I'm like, "Dude, I couldn't catch, I, I couldn't catch a cold. <laughs> you know, I can't catch anything. I don't fish." This was not the case. These men were professional fishermen. This is all they had ever done their entire lives. This is all their fathers had ever done. This is probably all their grandfathers had ever done. They knew about fishing. So when Peter says, Jesus, we've already been out there. We've put our nets down. We, we didn't just catch a few. We caught zero fish all night. What was Peter saying? There was no fish to be caught. Jesus, look, there's no fish here. There's no fish here. You may be looking around in the economy, and that's what the world thinks. There's no money to be made. There's no way to get out of this. There's no way that God can bless you, prosper you, multiply you. There is no way. But this is what Peter said. He said, but if you say so, Lord, if you give me the word, if you say so, I'll do it. I'll let my nets down again. So Peter goes out where there was no fish to be caught. In an economy where there was no money, there was nothing, there was no way. But God said, put out your nets. God said, this is my instruction to you. And when Peter did it, this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in another boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When they stepped out on what God had said and they applied their faith to the word of God, they responded to the word in faith. God either did two things. God either made fish supernaturally appear where there was no fish, or he brought those fish in from where they, are, where, where they were to where they needed to be. When you respond to what God says, two things will happen. He will make a way where there is no way. If you're needing a blessing right now, you're needing a breakthrough right now, God can literally make resources come out of thin air to make a way, to bless you, to provide for you, to provide an abundance and an overflow. Or the second thing, maybe there was fish. But by the power of God, those fish in another part of the lake began to swim and relocate and come where they needed to come. God knows where your provision is. God knows where the way is. God's already made the way. He knows exactly what needs to happen. And when you step out in faith, God that, that blessing will start making its way from where it's at to your possession. But we have to respond to the command. This is, lines up with exactly what Jesus said in Luke 6. This is the command. Give, and you will receive. But Jesus, it doesn't make sense to give right now. I mean, we're all kind of... It's a really... It's a really weird time. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He says, but let down your nets. Give. And if you do, you will receive. Not only will you catch a few fish, he says, your gift will return in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. If you're online, I want you to participate in this because this is God's strategy for breaking, your, breaking you out of the system of this world. The grip that Satan has over your finances, the grip that Satan has over your job, your husband's job, over your family, you can't break loose. This is God's method for breaking you loose. Give, he says, and you will receive. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, really quick, it says that God will provide seed for the sower. When you stop focusing on just your needs and you start realizing that God has already promised to meet all your needs and you start believing for seed to sow into the kingdom of God, it says that God will provide seed for the sower. I don't know about y'all, but I've been believing God. I said, Lord, I would like to sow $100,000 seed into the kingdom of God. Well, the Bible says God will provide seed for the sower. God, I would like $100,000 so I can buy a new bass boat. That's not what I'm saying. Lord, I want $100,000 so I can sow into your kingdom. The Bible says God will provide seed for the sower. Focus your giving. Target your giving. Believe for that multiplication and for breakthrough. Take a step of faith. You don't just give when you have enough. You give when you're needing a response and a breakthrough from God. I want to pray. If you have your offerings, I want to pray over them right now. Hold them in your hand. You can lift them up. I want you to sow in faith this morning. If you're online, you can participate. You can go to our website, www.nbchuntington.org. Like New Beginnings Church, huntington.org. You can hit sow a seed, give now. And the same blessing, the same truth, the same truth will, will be true for you where you're at as you participate in this with us. Lord, I bless every single seed that is sown. Lord, in a time of famine, in a time that is not favorable, in a time where there seems like there is no fish to be caught, there is no way to have that increase, to have that multiplication. We respond in faith to your word this morning. And I say, in Jesus' name, overflow. Come right now in Jesus' name. I speak that blessing from where it's at to come into the possession of every person that is sowing in faith this morning. That you will cause things to move around where they need to move. You will cause things to shift where they need to shift. And Lord, I just even claim right now money will begin to come out of like thin air as you provide and make a way for your children who are in covenant with you. Lord, we give an expectancy to your word. We give, you said it, give, and it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. We stand on that blessing. We break Satan's hand of poverty off of every person standing in faith this morning. Let them operate in the kingdom of God as you bless them, Father. In Jesus' name, We believe for multiplication in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to take up our offering. Hallelujah. If you will, will you guys stand with me and we're going to pray and we're going to conclude this morning. Thank you, Lord. I want you to pray this prayer. And I want you to start thinking like this, believing like this, speaking like this. Say, I am free. Say, I am healed. I am not a slave. God has set me apart. I am free from the coronavirus. I am free from what's happening in the economy right now. I am blessed in Jesus' name. Say, I am the head. I am not the tail. I am above. I am not below. Thank you, Lord, right now in Jesus' name for healing to come, for provision to come, for freedom to come for faith to come in Jesus name right now I release this into this room that believers in this room would rise up as being a part of the end-time generation that would not live subject to the ploys of the devil that would not live subject to the things of this world but we would live separated from this world in covenant with you I ask for power from the Holy Spirit to come and fill every person in this room. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. begin to pray right now, the last few minutes, I want you to pray over your house. Say, no plague will come near my home. If you're believing for freedom from this, if you're worried about your wife, your children, your parents, your grandparents, your aunt, your uncle, somebody in your family, a friend, say, nobody that I know will be affected by this. In Jesus' name. My family will not be affected. You will send angels that will guard our home. That the disease will not come near us. The plague will not come near us. We draw the line over Huntington, Texas right now. We cover it with the blood. And we say, not us in Jesus' name. Virus, you are not allowed to cross this threshold. You are not allowed in this community. Not us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all, let's just begin to give the Lord some praise and thank the Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I claim everybody cursed this morning and not. I'm sorry. I claim everybody blessed. Everybody's definitely not cursed. I claim everybody blessed in the name of Jesus, not cursed. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The blessing of Abraham, the Lord said, any curses that come upon you, I will, I will reject from you, and they will be inflicted upon your enemy. Any curse the devil tries to bring on any person, it will backfire in his face, blow up right in his face. And he will destroy his own kingdom as the church of Jesus Christ rises higher and higher. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we give you glory for these things. In Jesus' name, everybody say. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you're watching online, or you're here with us in service, guys, God bless you. I love you. If you would like prayer for anything specific, I will be up at the front. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Share the broadcast. Help us spread the word of faith. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week.